Hey, this is Lee. I really hope you've been enjoying the Business of Marketing podcast. It's from marketers and for marketers, and my intention is to bring you value, experiences, and insights that you can use. Also, if your company would like to have their own podcast, I would love to help. The team at Content Monster specializes in B2B podcasts. So if we can help, contact me at contentmonster.com. That's contentmonster, M-O-N-S-T-A.com. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Business of Content Podcast, a place where you can learn how to use digital and social media to drive your business and personal brand. And now your hosts, A. Lee Judge and Dante Carter. Once again, welcome to the Business of Content Podcast. This is episode number four, where we talk about content creation and how to use it to connect with your audience. I'm A. Lee Judge. And I'm Dante Carter, and what we'll be talking about today is how can a business develop their story, the unique aspects of business content, how businesses can be social, how frequently you should post, and which types of content work best for businesses. Now, this area is dead center of Dante's expertise, so he'll be running the show with most of the case. So PR marketing. Here we go. <laughs> so, uh, so even though you know I work to create content, the, the most important thing about that is creating a good story and that's Dante's speciality so (laughs) that word speciality so let's go with the first question Dante so what are some of the unique aspects of creating content for business so I I think when you think of unique you think of what makes you different from the marketplace Mm -hmm. what can you bring what what do you have that adds value to everyone's lives and uh, when I think about unique the one of the first people that I think about is uh is actually, and I don't know if I should say this, but we'll give him a little credit here, is Chick-fil-A. And so you think about in 1953 um, when Chick-fil-A was founded, the principles upon which it was founded, it was all Christian and, mm-hmm. you know, Christian views. You know, then you fast forward to 2012 when their owner came out and said what? Said he didn't agree with that, which led to a huge boycott. Mm. Um, it was July of, of 2012. And the day they decided to to boycott um, these groups that didn't agree with um, Chick-fil-A stance. Now, was it the owner that didn't agree with Chick-fil-A stance or was it Chick-fil-A stance didn't match the current society? It didn't match the current society. Okay. So I, I'll go back and, and rephrase that. And so this was this was right around that time when um, they were pushing for gay marriage. Mm-hmm. And when he came out... And it's so funny, right? You never know. A reporter might just walk up, stick a mic in your face, ask your opinion about it, knowing. But he stayed true to what the company's values were. And, um, you know, as we said, they were founded upon Christian views. Mm -hmm. But the day that Chick-fil-A was set to be boycotted nationwide, Mm -hmm. they had the highest sales ever. Mm. Ever. Like this, the the amount of money they made that day has still not been matched, <laughs> which is huge. But it goes back to their values. They understood who their target audience is. They understood what they what the views that they were founded upon. It's the same with Hugh Hefner. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like whether you know back in that day for Hugh Hefner to come out and say, "Oh, we're gonna have this big sex mansion," mm-hmm. people were like, "Oh no, this is Christian. This is Christian country. Get that out of here." Mm-hmm. But what what that says, right, mm-hmm. what that says, and even with Donald Trump, you know, before politics, him just being the businessman that he is, he understands the power 
of owning your image. Chick-fil-A understands the power of owning their image. And the thing is, people don't want flaky people. Mm -hmm. Like if you say, hey, I'm founded upon Christian values. This is what separates me. I'm making your chicken with love. <laughs> so you're saying that they they developed their story, their narrative, and they stuck to it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Regardless of 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 what was happening, regardless of society's views on Christianity changing, mm -hmm. society's views on marriage changing, mm -hmm. they said these are our principles. This is what we're about, and this was. And the, the funniest thing is, I remember even watching the newscast, and <laughs> they interviewed um, a guy that was supposed to be protesting, mm -hmm. and he said, "Man, I, I like chicken." <laughs> <laughs> But that's, I mean, that's that's the meat of it. So when you think about your, <laughs> I'm sorry, no pun intended. I'll let you, I'll let you have that one. <laughs> but when you think about the, when you think about a person's story, a company story, mm -hmm. the story of Chick Fil A to this day can be traced back to their founder. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, and that's huge. That's huge. It's and so I, I think where people where people fall short and being unique is I own Carter Media Group. Mm -hmm. Carter Media Group is a reflection of Dante Carter. Mm -hmm. Who is Dante Carter? Mm -hmm. You have to peel back those layers. You have to look at it. Hewitt um, Truett Cathy is Chick Fil A. You can't you can't separate him from from okay. Chick-fil-A. That's what you're saying now cuz we're at, we're talking about what makes your story unique and that's yeah. that's it. I mean It's you. It's they have it's, a unique. Okay. Yeah. It's it's the person. Mm -hmm. It's it's the person beyond the the building. The person is the brand. So when we talk about building a brand, it's not your brand until you own your story. So mm -hmm. what is your story? And I think that's what people have to sit down and and ask themselves. What is my story? Don't just put some stuff out there and say, oh, my brand is great quality food. Like, that's going to fall on deaf ears. What's mm. your brand? That's Think interesting because it. I'm thinking about, you know, from a marketing standpoint and maybe one of our, a lot of our audience may be wondering in terms of business, the business of content. But for what I'm hearing from you is if you've got a strong story and you stick to that story, then anything that happens about or around you is just amplifying your story. That it's content that's created. In fact, the Chick-fil-A story, you know, whenever there was an event like the protest, that was an explosion of content being made, right? And that content came from their story. Yeah. If their story hadn't been something you could hang your hat on, there wouldn't have been a story. There wouldn't have been any content. But because they had, we knew the story, and some reporter that day said, hey, I've got a piece of content to create because I know they have this stance the other side has this stance. There's a story here that's content. So I want you to think about this, right? Mm -hmm. Since Michael Jordan, right, no other athlete, professional athlete, has been able to own the rights to their name. Mm. Why? When they sign that contract, they're signing over the rights to their name. Mm -hmm. Why is that important? Because there's more to him than just the points he made. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, he's a long like, story, and he can continues to be in the story. Exactly, and it all goes back. I mean, you think about those old NBA jams games. You never saw Michael Jordan in those games. Mm. His think about what his shoes have done. The long lines that form around every time a new Jordan shoe comes out. Mm -hmm. The fact that he was able to own the Charlotte Bobcats. 
I mean, so his story keeps getting bigger, and each time he makes a move, it generates tons of content because of the story. Because of the story. I mean, the same goes for Steve Jobs. I mean, Apple, their board kicked him out. But mm. guess what? They had to bring him back. And it's it's not just his, like, that's a part of his story, but the, the fact that what I'm getting at with Steve Jobs is that's how talented of an individual he was. He was so dynamic. That's the reason why Hollywood's done two movies on this guy, right? Because Apple isn't Apple without Steve Jobs. And so you have to identify, you have to go back. Who was the guy that made this company or, or the woman that made this company what it is today? You have to really identify that because think about it. When Steve Jobs decided that he wanted to have this big press conference and announce Apple, um, the iPhone coming out, the first thing that came out of his mouth was what? The very first thing that came out was this is a moment I've waited two and a half years for. And you can almost hear oxygen being sucked at everybody in the, in the audience because they're like, man, we've and he was open and honest. He said, um, he said, we all have cell phones, uh-huh. but I've got something that I think is going to make your life a little easier. But what made this all different, what made it connect with people is the fact that they could connect with Steve Jobs. Like, I struggled using the iPhone when I first got it. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I struggled using a Mac. You had a Blackberry, didn't you? <laughs> I did. I did. See, that's how I know. But, <laughs> but, what but look what I have now. Yeah, we both have them. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Let's let's give our audience something uh, something tactical. Um, let's say I'm a, I'm a business and I have a great story. You know, the way I got to where I am right now with my business is a story. Um, what? What can I do with that story to create content that will eventually end up bringing me business? I think you have to you have to you have to start small, right? What are your values? Mm-hmm. Really, really sit down and think about okay, what are your values? And then from there, it's how can I take my values, take my message, and just a quick sidebar, you know, some folks have messages that haven't been updated in years and you might need to update them. That's fine. That's perfectly fine. But really looking at your values, looking at your messaging and figuring out, OK, in what story form can I tell this in? And then what what's the what's the, the mechanism for distribution? So is it going to be a blog post? Is it going to be a podcast? Is it going to be video? How are we going to tell this story? Because it's not just connecting right because if it was just connecting anybody could do it but it's it's how you tell it Mm -hmm. i mean you have to think about it right and i I love going back to disney and marvel because in this day and age they're doing it at a level that nobody can really compete with you're talking about the top five movies of all time and marvel's in three of them Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know i mean that's huge but think about this right when disney and and um well disney created pocahontas and lion king at relatively the same time and they put all of their resources into Pocahontas. They put all their B-list writers and B-list uh, animation guys on Lion King. They expected Lion King to be a filler movie, just kind of get yeah. us through to our next big hit. And Lion King outdid Pocahontas, which had all the A-list people, all of them. Why? Because they had a better story. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So it all comes down to story and it all comes down to how are you going to tell that story? How are you going to connect? Like Lion King was a movie that transcended race, class, cultures. It connected with people. 
And so I think that's the way that you have to look at this. In terms of being unique, ask yourself, how am I going to connect with people? So, so let's say I, I have a story. Let's say my story is, you know, two years ago I was homeless. Now I've got a multi-million dollar software company. You know, between homeless and here, there's bound to be a story of how I got here, right? And I think people would be interested in knowing how that story happened. So let's say I had that story. Tactically, tactically, how would you suggest I capture that story, for one, and two, use it through social media or some kind of media, what, whatever you suggest? How would I use that content to, to push forward and to spread the word, even using social? So the reality is, in today's day and age, the, the wealthy class, which not in today's day and age, in, in, in the history of this earth, the people, the haves versus the have-nots. I mean, the haves, it's a small number compared to the have-nots. And I bring that up because there's an entire population of people who are going to be impacted by the story of this guy or this woman who was homeless and now owns this multi-million dollar software um, company. And so when I think about the best way to tell that story, why don't we tell that story? It could be something as simple as the person walking down that street that they used to sleep on. Mm -hmm. What happened in that moment? And being very clear about it, what happened in that moment that helped this person to pick themselves up with their possessions? Like, that's a question we have to ask. Like, what, what was the turn? Because people, people don't care that you were homeless, right? They want to know how you went from being homeless to being successful, right? Mm -hmm. that's, that's the story. That's mm -hmm. that's the, the, the pinnacle that people want to know. They want to know, okay, we, we know you were, you were on the bottom. We know you were living on the street, but how did you get there? It may have been one conversation that, that this particular person had with a businessman. You know what I'm saying? Because these moments, the way they happen, I mean, you think about the, um, the movie in, in the Pursuit of Happiness, right? Mm -hmm. And this guy was essentially homeless. It was what he did that helped him to, to get to where he was. And so he was he was continuing to go after these rich guys to get them to sign up mm -hmm. with his um, financial firm. It was the guy that didn't give him anything financially, but gave him so much more in terms of network when he invited him to that football game. And they were in that in that suite mm -hmm. with the San Francisco 49ers. So people want to know what was it that what, what was that moment? So that moment for him was what it was. It was literally going up to this guy, trying to make this sale, and this guy's like, "No, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna buy from you, mm -hmm. but take a ride with me." Mm -hmm. So, what was he willing to sacrifice? In that moment, he literally sacrificed time with his son. Mm -hmm. He sacrificed getting a real sale so that he could get out of that homeless shelter he was living. Like those were the things that he sacrificed, but he also saw the bigger picture. And I mean, those are the components of a great story. That's why that movie was written, The Pursuit of Happiness. And so you have to look at, okay, what are the components that make my story great? So I, I guess to, to put that in a nutshell, what I'm hearing is we both agree that content is king. Yeah. And the story is the kingdom where it lives, right? Correct. <laughs> or the food that feeds the king. Yeah. One way or the other. That, that scenario is what it is. Okay. Well, that kind of wraps it up for, for that, for, for stories and how businesses can use stories. So now let's, let's change gears a bit. Um, let's talk about something that I think businesses miss out on because they think that social is an individual thing. How can a business be social? 
how can a business not be social? <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, in today's day and age, that's where everybody is, right? Yeah. Like before, you know, back in the 50s, everybody was sitting in front of a television set. So you, you what? You create commercials. It's the same mechanism. It's the new TV is the internet. So when you say, how can they be social? How do you connect? It all comes back to connecting. It all comes back to that story. It all goes back to what we said in, 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 last, um, in our last episode, right? And selling <laughs> without really selling. Yeah, I mean, the last episode we talked about social selling. And something that I teach in social selling, of course, is the social aspect. And what I think companies often miss is they think of themselves as one entity, one business. And the bottom line is, in terms of social, even the algorithms of our social networks, whether it be Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, they favor individuals. Mm -hmm. So to have the individuals within a company do the social footwork, do the social communicating and engaging, that's where the power is. So for a company to be social, the, the most critical part is to have its individual employees or members be social. Um, I've even tried to, I mean, I, I managed several company social pages. And the reason why I mentioned the algorithm is because it isn't just the algorithm, it's also the, the, business, the business model. So if you're a company and you're trying to be social, say, let's just pick LinkedIn or, or Facebook. Either one, they both work the same in this aspect. Uh, if you and I post on our personal pages, then it's not a business transaction for Facebook or LinkedIn at that moment. It's a social transaction. Mm -hmm. And if we convey something interesting or a value, then our friends will see it. Our friends will share it. Uh, the platform may even boost it, depending on what kind of uh, interaction we get with our posts. Flip that over if we were a business. If you're a business, that platform wants you to spend money. Mm -hmm. So if I post in my business page, post at the exact same time, my post will go 10 times what the business did, even when the business may have more followers. The reason being that if you're a LinkedIn, you want that business to pay for ads. Yeah. You know, so I'm the I'm the I'm the product, right? That's why mine is free. That's why you'll boost my post. But the the company is the customer. So what happens is companies like Facebook and LinkedIn allow you, allow you to boost your content. So if the company posts something, they want it to go viral, you can pretty much forget it now. It's against the business model. You got to pay to boost that post to be seen. Bottom line is. For businesses to be social, they have to empower their people to be social. And I, I think, not, you know, just to add a, another layer to it, it's empowering the people, but it's also identifying key influencers mm. whose values align with theirs who have the platforms. Because you have to think about it. If you align yourself with an influencer who has 50,000 followers or, or 100,000 followers, I mean, that's essentially a, a, a network of its own. Yeah, and especially when you're talking can... about your social, more social, like your, your Facebook and your Instagram, you know, to have that company find influencers to talk to people, people talking to people, people advising people, people influencing people, has been shown to have far longer reach than a company saying our product is great. Well, that, it goes back to that question of how do you connect? Mm -hmm. So what 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 are the ways that you are looking at connecting? So you have influencer marketing, you have boosting your post. 
what are the you have empowering your your employees like there are so many different ways for you to connect and it's okay at this point it's identifying what your budget is and where can your money travel the farthest does does this this four hundred dollars that I was using to boost this post does it work best boosting this post or do I need to take this four hundred and give it to an influencer who has a platform of three million people mm-hmm. and you know you'll probably get what a hundred thousand views two hundred thousand views at least to really chime in so it's really about identifying what's going to be that best way for you to connect with your audience yeah and for a company to connect they have to show some human element which is difficult for a company to do um because it's hard for me as as a human to connect with uh an entity you know a contract you know basically what a company is right but if it's a person spreading social content then i can say wow I've bought my first home or wow, I've had my heart broken by some by a lover or I've had a child or I've had, you know, I love a, my favorite car. I love this food. You know, those are things you can connect with that a, another human can convey that they enjoyed that a company just simply can't do. And, and I think that's where people have to to they have to get to this place of of recognizing that personal brands matter. Right. Yeah. Like whether you're a big company or not. It's still Steve Jobs before it's Apple. It's still Walt Disney before it's Disney World. Like these are people that understood that I, my image, my brand, my story is always going to be bigger than this company. And when you market to that one person, you see the reach. Apple has really, the gap between them and their competition is growing wider and wider. You're not... You're not hearing movies about what's his name, Alexander Graham Bell. You know, with mm-hmm. Bell South. You're not. You're not hearing movies about him. Why? Because it was just the entity. Yeah. Whereas with Steve Jobs, it's people want to know more about Steve. Yeah, they want to know about Steve because Steve was bigger than Apple. Walt Disney. They made a movie about him. Walt Disney is bigger than Disney World than the whole Disney franchise. People understand that. They want to know about this person. So this is okay. And the more that the more that businesses can can say, okay, who does who does our business, who can we directly tie this business back to? And why is that person's story so impactful? You gotta think, well, Disney, he went to what? He went pretty much across this country. And it wasn't until he went south down to Orlando, Florida, where there was nothing there at the time that Swamp. they decided to to give him a chance. Mm-hmm. So the story, the story, the story we mentioned earlier, and that enables you to be social uh, to tell the individual story. So for a business to be social, you're saying basically feed off the individual and the individual story. And as I was saying, also use individuals within the company to help yeah. spread that story. But I, I think that that individual, it has to, you know, it's not, just to be clear, it's not just any individual. It has to, in my in my opinion, my professional and personal opinion, it has to be. The guy who or the woman whose blood, sweat and tears went to that company, went into building it up yeah. because they're the people that have the deepest stories. Their story is rooted in that company. I'll tell you what, that that in itself is a whole other podcast right there. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's let's do that on another podcast. Let's we're going to cover in the future podcast. <laughs> definitely. We're going to figure out how to cover basically because we can go in depth in that. Yeah, in we really can. To capture the owner's story in, in in using it to to create content. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, save that one for later. Okay. And, I'll back uh, off. <laughs> beep, beep. So let, let's see if we got a couple more. We, we promised a couple more things in this podcast. So 
Uh, two more things. One, one of them, and I, I admit this one I think is quite a bit of a trap. So let's see how you handle this one. Because I, I won't go into it. I'll just ask a question. How frequently should a company post? I think they should post. Um, I think a better question for them is how frequently do they want to be seen, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so when you think about how frequently do you want your target audience to have interacted with you, how often does it take a person to see a commercial, to see a billboard, to see an email, to get a cold call before they actually respond to it? That That's a good scenario because typically a company will say, well, I think it's good enough for us to post once a day. And then if you ask them, well, how often do you want to be seen? They wouldn't say, oh, once well, a day is fine. Th- that would not be the answer. No. You know? And also the reason why I say it's a trap is because to me it's a big fat – it depends. Yeah. <laughs> Because you got to consider the consider the platform, consider the the content, um, and even consider the the company and the industry. It's going to vary across all those variables. So, if you read in some blog or some even a podcast, we'll call call ourselves out, uh, that there is one way to do this and that there's one set number. It's not a one size fits all scenario. No, it it all depends on 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 the company. Yeah, and so. I think when you look at bigger companies like many of the the airlines, they're they're posting frequently. A right. lot of these huge um, nonprofits are posting frequently. Why? Because they understand the power of traction. Mm-hmm. And so you have to think, okay, how much traction do I want? How much involvement do I want from my target audience around my product, around my services, around my company? Period. And so for me, I think I think you should at least be posting three to five days out of the week. I really do. And in terms of that work week, I'll turn then, it up, I'll turn it up more from there because when it comes down to each platform, you have to think about this. If you have, let's say you have two followers, right? One follower has 5,000 connections or followers uh, that they haven't gone through their feed. One has 500. Think of it as two lanes around a circular highway, like a 285 in Atlanta, you know, a, a bypass. One lane is bumper to bumper and it's going fast. The other lane is a car every mile and they're going slow. That right there is Twitter versus LinkedIn. Yeah. Okay. I always tell people that, you know, let's say you're looking for a red Ferrari and you're looking at a bypass at rush hour. You, if you'd have to be staring at that to see that red Ferrari go by, right? And if you're going about your day, let's say, because when I gave this example, I had an office that overlooked the highway. And the example I gave was, okay, we're here talking right now. And today, there's going to be 100 red Ferraris going to go by that highway. I want you to tell me what they tell me about each one. The situation is that, and this is Twitter, for example, you're not going to see them all. Yeah. You know, 100 could go by. And if I ask you how many went by without telling you, you go, oh, I think a couple. Reality is 100 went by. Getting information and getting social content from Twitter is like taking a sip of water from a fire hydrant. You know, it's, it's going and going and going. On the flip side of that, you may have a LinkedIn, which is going to be a little bit slower. But there's two things to keep in mind. One, the velocity of how much content's going through somebody's feed, and each person's different. And two, um, how that particular platform is going to throttle what you put out. You may put out 
10 pieces of content and for some algorithmic reason, only one gets seen. Yeah. So my personal professional opinion of that is you want to err on the side of putting out too much content instead of erring on not putting out enough because they will, if you put out enough or too much, there's, there's almost a definite circumstance. They're going to throttle you down anyway. If you don't put out enough, then you're throttling yourself. And I, and I agree with you. I mean, I, I think in, in today's day and age, technology is oxygen. Mm-hmm. And that what that includes the Internet, like people that's that's air to them. And so how often are you taking a, a, a breath? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have people who are checking their phones 20, 30, 40 times a day. Mm-hmm. How many times are they seeing your brand? How many times are they are they are they reading about your story? How many times are they seeing your story? How many times are they listening to your story? And how many times is your content going by when they're not looking? Yeah. You know, so the time you think, well, we posted today. That wasn't the one that I saw because I wasn't looking at that moment when it got pushed right on by my feed. But if you post 100 times today, I might see one or two. And the reality is how many people are on social media? Millions. Mm -hmm. So if you have millions of people tweeting, (laughs) you know, posting. It's it's noisy. Very noisy. Very noisy. So how do you cut through? And it's only through consistency, which means there has to be there has to be repetition to it. So. I mean, I, I gave you guys the at least three to five times a week, but I mean, you 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 have to think about it in 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 terms of how often should I be posting daily, and yeah. not just weekly. My yeah, I, I would basically say any any one piece of content five times in a week, and I might have a series of ten pieces of content in circulation. I've found through my own personal one man research that and, and this is something that I've I've learned from other social media experts is that, you know, I have a folder what I call evergreen content. Yeah. Things that I bring out that have been posted before, post them again, post them again. And in most cases, my audience has not seen it. You know, because you, you post it, it goes by, you get your views, likes, connection, whatever, and then you just throw it away like it's done. Right. So if it's evergreen, you post it again and again and again. And if you have like four or five thousand followers on a good day, a hundred of them see it. Yeah. That's four thousand nine hundred people who did not see your content. Yeah. Post it again and again and again. Show up as often as possible. The perception from your side of the table is I'm putting out a lot of content because you're seeing all of it. Yeah. The perception from your viewers side is. They're rarely seeing you. That's that's the bottom line of it. It's so true. You know, it was, it was funny. Just a quick story. Back when I was reporting, you know, I would have folks tell me, man, you post way too much. Stop posting so much. Stop posting. Every time I get on Facebook, I see your content. Every time I get on Twitter, I see your content. And at the time, it was just like, oh, man, maybe I'm being annoying. But annoying is what you need to be. That's the <laughs> only way to break through the noise. You're, you're, you you're have right, to be right. annoying. You have to be. Folks say, man, I, I see your work, I see your kid, I see your wife, I see your work, I see your kid, I see your wife, I see your work. I Here's a your- secret. The reason why you're annoying to them is because they're paying so much attention to you yeah. that the algorithm keeps showing you to them over and over and over. It's true. If they quit paying attention to you, you will disappear from their feed. I just want them to buy something. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so same goes for a business. You you would hope if you're a business in somebody's face so much that they're being they're you're, you're annoying them. You're not going to annoy them. You're just going to be aware. I mean, Coca-Cola doesn't annoy anybody. 
You can't go in a major city in the world and not see Coca-Cola ads. Nobody True. ever said, there's too many Coke ads. You know, it's yeah. just, just McDonald's, Coca-Cola, any of the big brands, they are never worried about oversaturation. Nope. You know? So, yeah, my goal in life is to be oversaturated, you know, to be the most heard. But also, I have always said, this is my personal saying, that everybody's nobody somewhere. Yeah. So no matter how much you think you're saturating your market with your content, there's somewhere and somebody who's never heard of you. So don't get the ego so big to think that you can actually oversaturate a market. Well, the the reality, too, is we're, we're always one one bad deal away from having to close our doors. Yeah. So you better We're always. <laughs> yeah. So you have to, you want to stay top of mind. We live in a very noisy world right now. You have to be top of mind mm-hmm. because if you're not top of mind, your competition will be. Segway. Let's do it. Top of mind content. What's the best kind of post? No, we're talking about businesses here. So what's, what's the best kind of content for businesses to post? I think it's content that provides value. Not I think I know, because that's how you continue to keep your audience engaged. Mm-hmm. The more and more they see the value, the more and more you rise up their scale of in terms of thought, right? The more mm-hmm. you stay top of mind. And so if, uh, if you're an attorney, right, we'll just use an attorney. If you're an attorney, what should you be sharing with folks? You should be, why don't you break down the law? You know, if there, there's so many things that go on the news daily, you could literally hijack the culture every day with, hey, this is what came on the news, but this is what the law really means. Mm -hmm. Because the news can only take what? They're only going to try to fit a a minute and 30 seconds or less. I I think sometimes now they're like 55-second packages. It's it's hard to break down an entire law in that amount of time. And there are some attorneys that I watch on a daily, you could you can really see that they're making they're they're literally turning out content every day. They're watching the news. Oh, I need to elaborate on that for my audience. This is a hot topic. And and they're building their base that way. You know, I think attorneys typically, oddly enough, seem to be a bit ahead of the curve. Because you yeah. you tend to find attorneys doing things a little bit unique, uniquely yeah. in terms of content. In fact, it's something the audience may not know. I used to work in, in radio and attorney companies or firms would pay radio stations to be a guest on yeah. the show. Now, from the consumer standpoint, every Wednesday, attorney so-and-so comes on to give free advice. That's what the consumer hears. What re- really happened is that law firm paid for the attorney to come on to the show as a guest, right? What happens is the station gets paid money, the attorney gives free advice, the attorney, uh, in, ex- in exchange for paying the, the, the station, Basically, he's given a free commercial for that half hour or how long, however long he's there. But as he's given this so-called free advice, his trust, his awareness, all those things rise, and he's giving out content over the airwaves. Fast forward to what works well now is that that same attorney can turn out all that same content on his own platforms, his own YouTube page, his own podcast, his own Instagram even. Um, he has to give us, of course, legalese of you know, this is not <laughs> yeah. this is not legal advice. But the point being that he can own that content for his business. Uh, and attorneys do, that, do this very well, I think, uh, because they can talk on and on and on about things they know we're thinking about right now. And there's lots of things we all have in common in terms of insurance and injuries and other kind of things that they can talk about. So uh, in terms of business and content, that's an early model of giving, 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 and that content works for the business. 
But I, I think that's something that that attorneys have have done for years. That's what I'm saying. I think you know, they're like somewhat pioneers of that. Yeah, I mean, you think back. I mean, when there was when there was no radio, they were in the newspapers. <laughs> when radio came, they were in the radio. When TV came, they were on TV. They're very they're very good at hijacking the culture. And I think for businesses, that should be the focus. How can we hijack the culture? You have to think about it, right? The the people who are the companies that are making money. You think about Hollywood. You think about uh, musicians. These folks, they, they're constantly hijacking the culture. And I think the more that you can hijack the culture, the more you can bring yourself into the masses' eyes and, and you can <laughs> literally speak into their ears and really be top of mind because you're, you're, you're saying, hey, I'm, I, what is top of mind today? What is the big story today? What is the big issue? What, are, what is everybody talking about in social media? Mm-hmm. And how can I provide my value by injecting my opinion on whatever this, this big thing is today? I think the reason why it works so well, the reason it works so well for attorneys is they're in a service industry. And I, and I challenge anybody who is in a service industry, you've got it a bit easier. And you should have no excuse not to create content because by being in a service industry, that implies you have some level of expertise in doing something. All you have to do is document yourself doing that something. And people will look to you to see how to do it, how to get it done, who to, and then eventually they decide, who do I go to to get it done, Right. With a product, it's a bit more difficult because you're trying to sell an item. But even with that, if you find a way to to show your expertise around the item, expertise in the industry in which that item, that widget is being used, you can even develop good stories and good expertise around an item. But even with the um, with that item, that product, providing that human element to it, how does that product enhance or provide value to the lives of your, of your customers? Really sit back and thinking about that because, you know, it's it's so easy. I mean, think about video games. They're always going to sell. Why? Because there's that entertainment value. You have a stressful day at work, virtual therapy. Well, I think with the product, you have to really sell the lifestyle or the person. In other words, I've never bought a pair of Nikes because they had an extra bu- air bubble in it, you know, I might have bought it because it was uh, supposedly more comfortable, but did I really know the difference between that Nike and that Champion or that Avia? Did I really know the difference? A lot of it was because it was a Nike, you know? Um, So when selling a product, when there's not a level of expertise behind it, you have to sell the the person behind it. If, If I'm looking for... Uh, energy drink or something. I want to know about the athlete. I want to know his story, you know, why he drinks it, what he does, how he performs. I'm buying into him. And then secondly, because he is doing these things, what are the products that surround him? Because I want to be like Mike, so to speak, right? What are the products that are around this person, around that person who has a story, as opposed to this is a great sports drink. It has so many electrolytes in it. That doesn't work today. It's Hi, I'm so and so. I just scored thousand points, and I'm an MVP. By the way, you just noticed I'm drinking Gatorade. You know that kind of thing. But I, I don't think it's ever really changed. I think it's a, it's the same. I mean, what what you just described is influencer marketing. Yeah. Before yeah. social media took over. Yeah. And and so it's never really changed. I mean, Bo knows. Yeah. Everybody remembers that Bo was in everything. And so I I think a, a person's celebrity, and I, I think what the internet has done has been able to exploit the fact that. That net, um, 
your network is much more valuable than your net worth. In terms of, you think about the creator of, of Nike. I mean, without the athletes, what are those shoes? What yeah. separates them? You know, to your point, it's it's being able to humanize. And, and the more that you, yeah. that you humanize these products, you know, and so for when I mentioned video games, it's, yeah, it makes it so much better that Shaq's playing it. But the entertainment value in itself gives you that, okay, virtual therapy. I had a long day at work. I can sit down and, and, and veg out on on a, on a, a sports video game. And yeah. so it's you have those products. But then to your other point, then you have the products where influencer marketing is just so huge and where yeah. it really takes over. And that's why I challenge, you know, I'll throw down, throw down, down the challenge on the floor that if you're in service, you have no excuse because creating your story there is easy. Just show what you do, do what you show, and that's content. If you have a product, it's a little more challenging, but look to see how well you can put around that product to create your content and tell your story. Well, I agree wholeheartedly. You're right. So did we give them what we told we were going to give them today? Yeah, I think we did. <laughs> do we have one more question on there? Uh, I, I think we pretty much we pretty much uh, hit the nail on the head. I think, I think we wrapped it up for this show. Yeah, we we we. Uh, Say what we're gonna say. We said yeah. it, and so uh, we now. Now I'll tell you what we said, in case you missed it, in case you uh, are tuning in, tuning in late in the in the broadcast. I'm gonna cut this all out. This is mumbling. But anyway, <laughs> so I guess that that about wraps it up for this show. Um, once again, this is episode what three, four, somewhere four of Business of Content podcast, where we talk about content creation and how to use it to connect with your audience. Again, I'm A. Lee Judge. And I'm Dante Carter. Where can we where can we find you at, Dante? Hey, you guys can find me on www.cartermedia.net. I'm on LinkedIn, Dante Carter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, Dante Carter, Carter Media Group. Hey, connect with me. I want to talk to you guys. And I love to hang out on LinkedIn. You can find me there at A. Lee Judge. Uh, I'm also other places, but they're also A. Lee Judge. And to find me, website-wise, please go to Content Monster, where we're talking about content all the time, and we'd love to help you out with yours. So Content Monster, M-O-N-S-T-A dot com. All right? Awesome. Catch you next time. <laughs> Peace. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Business of Content podcast, brought to you by ContentMonster.com and Carter Media. If you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to give it five stars and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform.